Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If your sin's going to find you out, be sure it finds you hiding in Jesus, okay? Like, uh, you're going to sin. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We sin. Sometimes it's sins of omission, and sometimes it's sins of commission. One is unknowing, and one is just flat-out rebellion, and both are wrong, okay? If your sin's going to find you out, may it find you hiding in Jesus, okay? Please. So that what I'm saying there is just run back to Jesus. Let's face it. We all sin. In fact, most of us sin every single day. Whether you call yourself a Christian or not, it's just a part of our human nature. So where do you turn when you sin? Maybe you find yourself stuck in an endless cycle and have no one to turn to. Or maybe you've just given up hope that you'll ever be good enough. So why even try? Well, luckily, there is hope that's found in Jesus. In today's message, Pastor James is going to encourage you to run back to Jesus when you sin, not to run away. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers, chapter 31, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. The last bit of this chapter says, so Moses and Eliezer, the priests, received the gold from all the military commanders, all kinds of jewelry and crafted objects. In all, the, the gold that the generals and captains presented as a gift to the Lord, this is just from the generals and captains, okay, weighed about 420 pounds. That's gold. But that's just from them. That's not from the entire congregation. That's just from the military leaders. There is... There is a law concerning giving, and they went above and beyond the law because that's what relationship does. See, religion is compressed to law within the boundaries of law. Relationship, when it comes to sacrifice and giving and devotion, goes above and beyond. Goes above and beyond. You can have religion. Religion's not bad. Okay, unless you're relying on it solely to get you to heaven, which it won't, because it's just through Jesus. But religion is a good thing because James tells us that pure and undefiled religion is taking care of widows and orphans. So religion is good, but relationship is where it's at. Relationship offers 420 pounds of gold to God when religion would say, just give 10%. So these guys are like, we're all in. I'm all in. God's so good to me. 420 pounds of gold, it's, it's what I can give. Man, I wish I could give more. It's fascinating. It's amazing. Pass the buckets. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have any buckets. <laughs> Dang, we should have taken up an offering. Boxes are in the back. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to get better at this. All the fighting men had taken some of the plunder for themselves. That's verse 53, 54 says, So Moses and Eliezer, the priests, accepted the gifts from the generals and captains and brought the gold to the tabernacle as a reminder to the Lord that the people of Israel belong to him. Now, chapter 32. We're just going to go through chapter 32. There's a really key lesson in chapter 32 that we need to pay attention to, all right? Chapter 31, good practical application is, man, the Lord loves a cheerful giver, right? The Lord's got you. He, he, he's, he 
Hopefully, he's your heavenly father. He knows how to take care of you, supply all your needs. We should respond in like with just devotion, adoration, and sacrifice, and offerings, and all that stuff. Absolutely. Chapter 32, we're going to see the kind of the, the dangers of not really going all in for the Lord, all right? Being on the fence, you know, kind of in the world, but not. Like there's, there's a warning in chapter 32 about that. So let's, let's see what this says. Verse 1, it says, The tribes of Reuben and Gad owned vast numbers of livestock. So when they saw that the lands of Jazer and Gilead were ideally suited for their flocks and herds, their flocks and herds, they came to Moses, Eliezer the priest, and the other leaders of the community. They said, Notice the towns of Ataroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Eliah, I guess, Sibma, Nebo, and beyond. The Lord has conquered this whole area for the community of Israel, and it is ideally suited for all our livestock. If we have found favor with you, please let us have this land as our property instead of giving us land across the Jordan River. All right? So let's talk about technicalities. Technically, this side of the river that they're on was promised Abraham, okay? Technically speaking, yes. The Lord is asking them to cross over the Jordan River into the promised land. And these guys are like, well, look at all this good land. We just conquered all this land. Somebody needs to fill this land. If not us, then who? So we notice that there's plenty of room for our flocks and herds, which, by the way, all the other tribes of Israel had a bunch of livestock as well, okay? They didn't necessarily have the most, but they're looking around. They're like, why should we go across the river where we could stay right here? And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of back and forth on this, especially within the uh, you know, Bible teachers and commentary level as far as well, were they right or were they wrong? Because technically, Abraham was promised that land and they, you know, they could live there. But then also the promised land was clearly identified when they crossed over the Jordan River to go into Jericho. And so Moses hears this proposal and he doesn't really respond to, you know, kindly to it initially. Verse 6, it says, do you intend to stay here while your brothers go across and do all the fighting? Moses asked the men of Gad and Reuben, why do you want to discourage the rest of the people of Israel from going across to the land the Lord has given them? Your ancestors did the same thing when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. After they went up to the valley of Eshkol and explored the land, they discouraged the people of Israel from entering the land the Lord was giving them. Then the Lord was very angry with them, and he vowed, of all those I've rescued from Egypt, no one who is 20 years or older will ever see the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for they have not obeyed me wholeheartedly. The only exceptions are Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenianzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholeheartedly followed the Lord. They're all in, is what he's saying. The 10 spies were not all in. But two of the, the 12 total were wholehearted. They were all in. And Moses was like, hold on, I'm not going through this again. We're not going to do this again. Because if you don't want to go in, then nobody else is going to want to go in. So you tell me that you think it's better that you stay on the outside while the rest of us go in and, and, and fight all these battles, is what Moses is trying to get them at. 
It says, verse 13, the Lord was angry with Israel when they chose not to trust him. He made them wander through the wilderness for 40 years until the entire generation that had sinned in the Lord's sight had died. But here you are, a brood of sinners. That's, <laughs> this is Moses. This is the old man Moses yelling at these guys, doing exactly the same thing. You are making the Lord even angrier with Israel. If you turn away from him like this and he abandons them again in the wilderness, you will be responsible for destroying this entire nation. So he comes with very heavy words to these guys. And they're like, hey, Moses, we got an idea. You know, I'm sure the promised land is awesome, right? We remember the stories of the spies coming back with the, you know, bunches of grapes and milk and honey and all that good stuff. But however, where we're at right now, is kind of nice. So how about we just stay here and you guys go in? Moses is like, no, that's a horrible idea. That's a bad idea. And they could have gotten out like, you know, they could have been like, well, Moses, technically, this land was promised to our ancestor Abraham. And Moses would have been like, well, technically, God told you to go into the land, this land. We won't have to worry about this other land yet. We can expand, but we haven't even gone in and conquered what God has promised us within the boundaries he's, he's already designated. Like, well, we don't really want to go in. Well, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. But here you have two tribes, soon to be three tribes, who are just kind of just on the fence. They represent, I believe, that they represent Christians and some Christians in churches today. They just don't want to go all in. They want, like, still one foot in the world because it's fun over here, kind of. Is it really? I mean, I lived in the world for a while. And it was fun. Sin is fun for a season. Sometimes those seasons are very, very short. And the scars you get, not my tattoos. These are good things. It's just it's other scars. Man, they just, they last forever. The season of sin and funness that goes with it, it's very short. And then the damage and repercussions and all that stuff, that sticks with you. It sticks with you. You got to go all in. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have to go all in. You have to be wholehearted. There's no half-hearted with Jesus. It's go all in. Now, Moses is going gonna, gonna to acquiesce to these guys. Now, at no point in time, unless I missed it, do I ever see Moses stopping and consulting with the Lord when this decision's made. He may not have wrote it down, but that wouldn't make any sense. Verse 16, though, he says, but they approached Moses. They came back to Moses, Right? And then said, we simply want to build pens for our livestock and fortified towns for our wives and children. You know, you want to live here, is what he's saying, what they're saying. Then we will arm ourselves and lead our fellow Israelites into battle until we have brought them safely to their land. Meanwhile, our families will stay in the fortified towns we build here, so they will be safe from any attacks by the local people. We will not return to our homes until all the people of Israel have received their portion of land. But we do not claim any of the land on the other side of the Jordan. We would rather live here on the east side and accept this as our grant of land. Then Moses said, if you keep your word and arm yourselves for the Lord's battle, and if your troops cross the Jordan and keep fighting until the Lord has driven out his enemies, then you may return when the Lord has conquered the land. You will have fulfilled your duty to the Lord and to the rest of the people of Israel, and the land on the east side of the Jordan will be your property from the Lord. 
But if you fail to keep your word, then you have sinned. You will have sinned against the Lord, and you may be sure that your your sin will find you out. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. If your sin's going to find you out, be sure it finds you hiding in Jesus. Okay, like <laughs> you're going to sin. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We sin. Sometimes it's sins of omission, and sometimes it's sins of commission. One is unknowing, and one is just flat-out rebellion, and both are wrong, okay? If your sin's going to find you out, may it find you hiding in Jesus, okay? Please. So that what I'm saying there is just run back to Jesus. Run back to him. Run back to him. But Moses is like, uh, hey, you can't, if you don't keep your word, it's gonna, you're going to be found out. It says, go ahead, verse 24, and build the towns for your families and pens for your flocks, but do everything you have promised. Again, at no point in time do we see Moses stopping and consulting with the Lord. He uses the Lord's name a lot, holding them accountable and like, well, the Lord's going to fight this battle for us. The Lord's going to get us victory. The Lord's going to drive out the enemy. And the Lord's going to keep you accountable to your word, which he's going to. We, we saw in chapter 31 where it talked about making vows and how the Lord will hold you accountable to those vows. But at no point in time do we ever see Moses saying, oh, you know what? Let me pray about this. Let me just pray about this. I think he should have stopped and prayed about it. That's my personal opinion. Okay? And the reason why I say that is because what we know happens later on. If you follow through, if you're reading through the, well, at this point in time, if you're reading through the Word, I don't know what your plan is. You hopefully are going through a daily Bible reading plan. I, I highly recommend it. Mine is, it's on my phone. I like to listen to mine. I listen to mine quite a bit. There are many days where I have to listen to like four or five days in a row or at one setting. So if you follow me on that and you're like, this dude reads the Bible all the time in chapters. No, I'm catching up. A lot of catch up. And thankfully, I just went through the Song of Solomon. It's a beautiful book. It's awesome. Send my wife a bunch of verses <laughs> just to get a reaction. I'm like, hey, what about this one? She's like, would you stop? <laughs> so anyways, you Reading through the word, you understand that for these tribes that stay outside of the boundaries, like they had to go out of their way to communicate to everybody else, like, no, 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 we're Israelites. I, I know we don't live there, but we're part of the team. Like that's sometimes a problem for your witness. If you're out in the world and you're like, no, 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 I, I am a Christian. I don't ever go to church but I am a Christian. You understand the conflicting message that that sends to people, right? Like, no, 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 no. I'm, look, I'm a Christian. I'm not like one of those Christians, but I'm a Christian. You need to be all in. Be all in or be all out. Like, you pick. Go all in or go all out. Like, no, no wishy-washy. No one foot in the world and, and one foot in the promised land, so to speak. Like, the person that gets hurt in that scenario is you. You miss out on the blessings of going all in for the Lord. These guys are like, they're on the fringes. And they had to like, they had to establish like altars and identifications of like, no, 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 we, we, we're part of those guys. It doesn't look like it. We don't always act like it, but we are technically part of these guys. Go all in. Just go all in for the Lord. Verse 25 says, the men of Gad and Reuben replied, we, your servants, will follow your instructions exactly. Our children, wives, flocks, and cattle will stay here in the towns of Gilead, but all who are able to bear arms will cross over 
to fight for the Lord, just as you have said. And they did. They, go, they did go and fight. So Moses gave the orders to Eliezer, the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the leaders of the clans of Israel. He said, the men of Gad and Reuben, who are armed for a battle, must cross the Jordan with you to go fight for the Lord. Moses has to say this because he's going to die before they go. Okay? So he's, he's pressing this on to other people because he's not going to be around to make sure that they do. He knows, like, I'm about to die. So I'm going to make some other guys witnesses to your commitment. He says, if they do, give them the land of Gilead as their property when the land is conquered. But if they refuse to arm themselves and cross over with you, then they must accept land with the rest of you in the land of Canaan. The tribes of Gad and Rubian said again, we are your servants. We will do as the Lord has commanded. We will cross the Jordan into Canaan, fully armed to fight for the Lord. But our property will be here on this side of the Jordan. So Moses assigned land to the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph. So they probably heard what was going on. They're like, hey, we want in on this deal. Like, hold on. Like, oh, we can, we can live over here too. Carve us out, you know, some property lines too. So they got in on the deal. It says he gave them territory of King uh, Sihon of the Amorites and the land of King Og of Bashan, the whole land with its cities and surrounding lands. The descendants of Gad built the towns of Dibon, Ataroth, Aria, Shofan, Jazer, Jogbeha, Beth Nimrah, Beth Haran. These were all fortified towns with pens for their flocks. The descendants of Reuben built the towns of Heshbon, Elia, Kiriathim, Nebo, Baal, Meon, Baal, why would you name it that? Um, Sibma. They changed the names of those towns they had conquered and rebuilt. Then the descendants of Machir, the tribe of Manasseh, went to Gilead and conquered it. They drove out the Amorites living there. So Moses gave Gilead to the Machirites, descendants of Manasseh, and they settled there. The people of Jair, or Yair, another clan of the tribe of Manasseh, captured many of the towns in Gilead and changed the name of that region to the towns of Yair. Meanwhile, the man, a man named Noba captured the town of Kenath and its surrounding villages, and he renamed that area Noba after himself. Of course he did. Hey, you conquer a town, you can name it whatever you want, right? That's the deal. You can even name it after yourself. But this is, these guys are, these three tribes, well, one's a half tribe, but they decide, we know we're supposed to go here. And technically in the promised land, there was more than enough room for all of them. For the people, the cattle, the sheep, the goats, everything. There's more than enough room for them in there. And that's what God had originally had intended. Now, had they occupied that land and then expanded out past the Jordan River, that probably would have been okay. That probably would have been all right. What God wanted them to do was go into the promised land, go fully into it, and enjoy his blessings within the place that they're supposed to be. These three tribes, I'll say three tribes, decided that, well, we don't really want to go in because we kind of just like it right here. So we'll go help you fight. We'll go help you conquer and, and fight this battle for the Lord. However, we don't want to live there with you. We want to live out here. And again, it, on the surface, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal until you get later in, in, into the word where then you have these, this identity crisis that happens within some of these tribes. And, then, and you're just like, you have to go way out of your way to, to communicate to other people that you're a part of this group that 
you know, a whole a boundary line separates the two of you. And the thing that we have to be cautious of within the church is having to go out of our way to explain to people or convince people, no, 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 I, I really am a Christian. I mean, they should see that to a certain extent. They should see it to a certain extent. Not that they're going to have, you know, peg you as soon as you walk through the door of like, well, Christian, right? That, that may not be true, right? But when they talk to you, there should be something about you, your communication, the way that you treat them, that should send signals to them of like, I wonder if this person's a church person. I wonder if this person's a, one of those Christian people. That should be what happens. They, they should be able to identify you by the fruit that you're producing. They should be able to judge you because we can judge trees by their fruit. We like to, well, judge, you know, watch out for those bad trees. Well, are you a good tree? Are you producing good fruit that's evident to anybody that you represent Jesus? Go all in, wholehearted for the Lord. Don't, I, I just, I would use this story as just an illustration of, man, don't, no, no more one foot in the world and one foot in the church kind of a thing. You're, you're missing out on blessings. You're robbing yourself. You're just robbing yourself. These tribes, they were going to, they were going to miss out on the promises that God had for his nation that was going to dwell within the boundaries he had established already. It was inside those boundaries where the land was flowing with milk and honey. There's nothing said of that on the east side of the Jordan. They're just seen as like, well, this is just good grassland for my, our livestock. Yeah, but there's milk and honey flowing just across the river. Like, go all in over there. And then maybe the Lord, you can have a prayer of Jabez type of thing where you pray that the Lord would expand your boundaries. And then he expands it beyond the Jordan River, so to speak. But first and foremost, you've got to be obedient to what he's asked you to do. And he's asked you just to go all in. Go all in. So for you, for myself, I would say just go all in for the Lord, man. I, don't, I, I, I know I've missed out on blessings. Because at times I've been very wishy-washy, so to speak. Go all in. Just go all in. Do what he's called you to do. Do what he's asked you to do. Enjoy just the promised land is not heaven. It's not heaven. It's your relationship with Jesus. It's your rest that you find in him. Go all in for that. And yeah, no more riding the fence. If you're kind of like back and forth and all that, I would just settle, with, settle that within your heart today. Be like, be like Joshua. Be like Caleb. Caleb be, be like individuals who wholeheartedly went into the promised land. Like, I'm going to lay hold of Philippians chapter 2, I believe it is. It talks about us laying hold of those things that Christ has already himself laid hold of for us. Like, we, we don't look back. We press on, and we reach for those things that he has already taken possession of for us like, I want that, and that's kind of what is, is, is happening here. These tribes were like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm sure it's cool. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's fantastic. But I'm just really comfortable over here. That's your problem. You're really comfortable. You're really comfortable. You got to fight the battle anyways. You might as well go all in.
This has been another edition of Bread for the Broken, and all of us here are so glad that you joined us today. The message you just heard was from the Book of Numbers, where Pastor James has been camping out. Our existence could definitely be seen as dotted with hills, valleys, streams, and rivers, couldn't it? I wonder if we would realize the evidence of God in our lives if we were to map it out on a piece of paper. You'd see where he showed up and where he corrected behavior or maybe where he changed our course. Numbers is a book detailing the Israelites' desert stay after leaving Egypt. In it, we can see how disobedience and defiance don't go unnoticed. God is patient, but there comes a point when our actions deserve redirection, deserve a consequence. We can't follow God and obey what He says if our eyes are always focused on ourselves or our circumstances. So, what do you think? Are you ready for a shift in focus? Are you ready to find hope and new life in Jesus? If so, we'd love to pray with you and walk through that decision with you here at Bread for the Broken. Just visit us at breadforthebroken.com. Another way that you can connect with us is through our Facebook live stream. It's a great way to connect and learn from afar. We're a laid-back church in Galveston, Texas, that just wants to magnify Jesus at all ages. Will you help us in this mission? On our website, breadforthebroken.com, there's a donation link. It's easy to use, so we encourage you to check it out. We're so glad that you were able to sit and soak in the words of Jesus today with Pastor James. We look forward to meeting with you again next time, here on Bread for the Broken.